Welcome to The Dr. Medic, everyone, where I will do my best to bridge the gap between research and practice and the world of helicopter EMS and all of paramedicine. Catch the full effect of these podcasts with all the visuals over on YouTube, but for now, let's get started. So you've got this awesome medical helicopter returning to its base and about to refuel. You also have another flight crew member on the ground who has got some uncomfortable dancing skills. And just before the helicopter touches down, something damages the tail rotor, causing severe damage. What happened? Did a tiny cloth object actually cause all this damage? And what in the world is FOD? All that coming up on this episode of The Dr. Medic. Now, this incident took place just a few months ago on July 19th of 2022 and comes to us out of Mount Vernon in southern Illinois and involves the operator Arivac Life Team. Arivac is now under the umbrella of MedTrans and Global Medical Response, otherwise known as GMR, which is basically one of the largest air medical providers in the entire world. Arivac has historically always been very successful as an air operator as they pretty much stuck to a single aircraft in their fleet for nearly 30 years and that being the Bell 206. But over the past few years though, they have expanded heavily into some newer aircraft, especially an awesome Bell 407. They even picked up a few EC-130s, but even cooler than that, in February of this year, their Mount Vernon, Illinois base received Arivac's first EC-135. What a super cool aircraft this is, a big step up from a Bell 206 and 407. It's got twin engines, optional weather radar and IFR capabilities, a full patient stretcher can be used. It's just an overall awesome helicopter. And it was this very EC-135 that was involved in this incident. This is an EC-135 P2 Plus model built in 2010 with 1,271 hours on the airframe. Now the P model just signifies that it uses those badass Pratt & Whitney engines making 667 horsepower each, which is really in place of the other badass engines that are made by Turbomeca. It also has the famous Fenestron tail. The word Fenestron is actually a trademark design and name from Airbus helicopters and was originally created under Eurocopter before they were purchased by Airbus. The overall function of this Fenestron tail is exactly the same as any other tail rotor on a helicopter, and that is to counteract the rotational force of the main rotor assembly. And in short, the torque of the turning main rotor blades wants to make the body of the helicopter turn in the opposite direction. So to keep the helicopter from spinning around in circles, a tail rotor is used to literally blow air in the direction of the counterforce to keep the aircraft straight. Likewise, the blades can be moved and controlled by the pilot using foot pedals, which are officially called anti-torque pedals, and this is how the pilot controls the yaw of the aircraft. The tail rotor is directly connected to the transmission of the helicopter by way of a tail rotor shaft, and tail rotors are absolutely paramount to the safe operation of the helicopters, and they are very sensitive to any form of damage or impact with obstacles. Different manufacturers over the years have invented all kinds of cool alternatives to the standard tail rotor to improve safety and efficiency. 
McDonnell Douglas invented the super cool NOTAR system, which eliminated the tail rotor altogether and instead uses a giant fan enclosed in the tail boom, still connected to the transmission to blow air through that tail boom and off to the other side. This still provides the same anti-torque as a regular tail rotor and is still controlled by the pilot, but there are no mechanical parts that are exposed that can impact obstacles. This NOTAR system was notoriously quiet as well, as many of the helicopters that you hear actually create more noise from their tail rotor than they do from the engine or main rotor. But this system is more complicated. It's heavier and even compromises fuel efficiency, and so while it works well on a few McDonnell Douglas helicopters, it has not been widely adopted. Another invention was the coaxial main rotor system, which uses two main rotors with one mounted directly on top of the other, but rotating in the opposite direction. The rotating torque of each main rotor therefore then cancels each other out, and there is no counter-rotation needed from a tail rotor at all. The pilot can, can still control the yaw of the aircraft with foot pedals, but instead of controlling the pitch of the tail rotor, they instead are working on alternating pitches of the main rotor system. The drawbacks to this system, again, are the increased weight and mechanical complexity, but they are still being used on some newer experimental aircraft, and I think we're going to see more of those as time goes on. And finally, there is also the tandem rotor system, which is sort of similar to the coaxial system that puts counter-rotating blades on top of one another, but instead the tandem rotor blade puts the blades in front and back of each other with one at the front of the helicopter and one placed in the rear. Again, the counter-rotating forces of these main rotor hubs keeps the helicopter from spinning around and yaw can still be controlled by alternating the left and right cyclic to each rotor. Obviously, the best example of a tandem rotor helicopter is the CH-47 Chinook and the somewhat similar CH-46 Sea Knight. But even though there have been many attempts to improve the tail rotor, the Fenestron has shown to be the most popular alternative and is used almost exclusively on Airbus helicopters, but can also be found on some unique military and experimental aircraft such as the Russian Kamov Ka-60 Kasaka and even the super cool French Aerospatiale Gazelle. The Fenestron does have a set of six or seven fixed vanes, with the moving blades themselves consisting of up to 18 blades, depending on which aircraft. They are usually spaced unevenly as well, which is supposed to create sound at alternating sound frequencies in hopes of reducing overall noise. But the real advantage of this system is that the tail rotor is ducted, with the blades housed internally, which means it is far less likely for the blades to strike any obstacles, the ground, or people. Now the pilot in this incident is a 50-year-old male with a commercial airline certificate and was obviously rated for helicopters with 3,210 total hours and 2,671 of those hours as pilot in command. The flight crew, which consisted of the pilot, a flight nurse, and a flight paramedic, were returning to their base from a flight at 2014 hours local time. And as they were approaching the helipad, you can see this other AIRIVAC employee, and I cannot tell if he was another pilot or a med crew member, but he was feverishly dancing while pretending to guide the helicopter into the landing site. It is important to know that he was not actually acting as an official air marshaler and was not actually guiding this aircraft down. He's simply goofing off and he's having a good time. But as the helicopter gets closer to touching down, you can see a big red object get blown out of the fuel station area by the rotor wash of the main rotors, fly up into the air, and then get sucked directly into the Fenestron tail.
This red object ended up being the cover for one of the fire extinguishers at the fuel station. But not only did the cover go through the Fenestron tail, so too did the metal Fenestron hub cover, both of which were destroyed and both of which caused substantial damage to the aircraft. Now, the helicopter did shudder a bit, and the crew did state that they felt a loud thud when this event occurred, but the pilot was able to complete this landing, and they were all able to walk away from this incident with no injuries at all. The NTSB did investigate this incident and found that the probable cause of this accident was the inadequate securement of the cloth fire extinguisher cover, which resulted in it being blown off the fire extinguisher and ingested into the helicopter's Fenestron during the landing. So how could this have been prevented? Well, the first step is that every time a crew member walks the landing site for any helicopter, they should always be on the lookout for FOD, which stands for Foreign Object on Deck. FOD walks are a big part of any aviation operation and are typically completed on a regular basis. You can even see the entire deck of aircraft carriers covered with sailors as they complete FOD walks several times each day. Jet engines, tail rotors, and propellers are all susceptible to ingesting foreign objects, sometimes even humans, and doing a proper FOD walk is paramount to the safety of any aviation operation. Now, I don't know if you'd call this guy FOD. Personally, I'd call him Petty Officer J.D. Bridges because that's what his name was, but you can see him get sucked right into the engine of an A6 intruder on an aircraft carrier. Now, I don't know how, but somehow that dude lived. But in all seriousness, here is a great example of how FOD can bring down a helicopter. You can see this EC-145 get a large piece of silt construction fence up into its tail rotor, forcing the pilot to immediately land the aircraft. Now, no one was hurt, but that helicopter suffered some serious damage. Now, AIRIVAC does have a FOD policy and procedure which states, a small covered waste container labeled Foreign Object Debris or FOD should be secured and easily visible near each base helipad. A search for FOD should be conducted at a minimum daily at the time of the aircraft equipment checklist and any foreign object should be placed in the FOD container. It is every employee's duty to pick up FOD located within 50 feet of the helipad and remove to prevent hazards. Any ground support equipment around the helipad should be properly secured so as not to present a hazard to the aircraft operations. So, was the fire extinguisher covered considered FOD? Man, I don't know. Petty Officer Bridges wasn't FOD. I mean, the extinguisher bag was supposed to be there, but nobody probably checked it to see if it was secured, and the bag did not come with any form of permanent attachment device like a chain or a lanyard. However, the policies and procedures of the company show that this employee should have been completing a FOD walk as anytime you are around the base helipad, you should be searching for FOD. But he may have done this prior to the video starting or maybe even earlier in the day. We have no way of knowing. But likewise, the fire extinguisher bags could have had lanyards placed on them to secure them to the extinguisher themselves, but AIRIVAC did state, and this is pretty important, that while it wasn't necessarily a policy, it was their common practice to actually secure the extinguisher bag by having the entire extinguisher buckle or strap wrapped around the bag and secured. But obviously, this was also not done in this case. So while you could say that the extinguisher cover was over the extinguisher as it was designed, it was not secured the way that the company normally does, which is by clamping the buckle around the extinguisher and the bag itself. 
It is also possible that this crew and this dancing guy were unaware of this common practice within the company since it's not actually listed as a company policy, but is rather just quoted as a general practice, and this agency has hundreds of bases all across the country. It is also worth noting that the metal hub cover is what ended up causing most of the damage as it was knocked loose by the extinguisher cover. This cover is a bit notorious for coming loose on EC-130s and EC-135s if any of the Fenestron blades are bent, and the European Aviation Safety Agency has recommended to Eurocopter, and now Airbus, to possibly redesign how this hub is attached so as to prevent it from loosening so easily. But in the end, Eurocopter said that while it is a problem that this hub can loosen, that it only seems to happen when some other obstacle makes contact with the Fenestron and therefore no updates or changes to the hardware will be made. But I want to add one more point to this story that I see in the video. I believe it is a far more important point and not one that was mentioned in the NTSB report, and that is the topic of a sterile cockpit. Now, AERIVAC is a CAMES accredited flight service, which means that crew resource management is a requirement of all crew members, including the pilots, mechanics, and the medical crew. One of the major components of CRM is a sterile cockpit. Now, sterile cockpit says that there should be no unnecessary communication between crew members during critical phases of flight. On commercial airliners, critical phases of flight are usually anything below 10,000 feet, but in a medical helicopter, it is usually during any phases of takeoff, landing, or even like landing zone reconnaissance. Now, sterile cockpit is an FAA requirement under Federal Code Part 135 regulations and states that no flight crew member may engage in, nor may any pilot in command permit, any activity during a critical phase of flight which could distract any flight crew member from the performance of his or her duties or which could interfere in any way with the proper conduct of those duties. Now, in the U.S., HEMS is also accredited by the Commission on Accreditation of Medical Transport Systems, which is otherwise known as CAMES. And CAMES also has a standard for sterile cockpit stating that there shall be strict enforcement of sterile cockpit and that a sterile cockpit is maintained below predetermined altitudes so that the pilot is able to transmit and receive vital information and to minimize distractions during any critical phase of flight. Now, whoever this guy is that is dancing is wearing a flight suit, which means he is either another pilot or another medical crew member at the base and is probably there to relieve one of the other crew members who may be at the end of their shift. I think anyone could agree that this landing that you see in the video is certainly a critical phase of their flight and should take the attention and resources of all of the crew members to be on the lookout for obstacles, FOD, and any other dangerous situation. But the dancing crew member on the ground was undoubtedly a distraction, not only to the crew on the aircraft, but also to himself. And sterile cockpit is not something that is unique to aviation or commercial aviation or just helicopter EMS. I actually just published a study here in the United States showing that sterile cockpit, as a part of overall crew resource management education, actually improves situational awareness of paramedics during actual 911 calls. I will post the link for that study in the description below. Regardless of whether or not the fire extinguisher cover flew off and caused this damage, the principles of a sterile cockpit were not adhered to. Sterile cockpit is not something that we only assign blame to when we can prove that the cause of the accident was a failure to maintain a sterile cockpit. 
The cause of this accident and the failure to maintain a sterile cockpit are not mutually exclusive. I mean, we are able to address both, right? The supervisors or investigators or whoever makes up the rules simply could have said, hey, we realize these stupid extinguisher bags are a hazard when landing close to fuel pumps. Let's either get rid of them altogether or find a way to secure them better and make it a policy. Oh, and also remember that per CAMES accreditation and FAA guidelines, sterile cockpit is to be strictly adhered to during all critical phases of flight, so that means no dancing on the helipad, okay? You know, like I said, they are not mutually exclusive. We can learn two lessons at once, can't we? We should be able to use this situation as a teachable moment, and I do wish that the NTSB would have mentioned this as a part of the report, as well as in their safety recommendations. Now, Arivac did take steps after this and immediately sent out a safety alert to their entire fleet, including the pilots, mechanics, nurses, and paramedics with reminders from the NTSB about the importance of fog walks and clearing of the landing sites with examples listed of other incidents where fog damaged or destroyed the aircraft. While the crew member who was dancing was not mentioned in the NTSB report, I was unable to find any legitimate information as to whether or not his actions were addressed internally. I seriously doubt he meant any ill will, and I'm sure that he is a really awesome guy and is really good at what he does. But I'm also sure that he could benefit, like a lot of us, from some coaching as to why these actions were dangerous and inappropriate in this situation, even if they had no bearing on the outcome of the incident. Listen, we all need to unplug, we all need to have fun, and there is a time and a place for everything. There is certainly a time and a place to do a terrible thrusting dance while wearing a flight suit. There is, trust me. But doing so on a helipad, just as an aircraft is touching down, is clearly meant to distract the pilot and the med crew, both of which are violations of the FAA and CAMES. Now again, this channel is here to talk about the data and the science, and in cases like this, to learn from the mistakes of the past so that we can avoid further incidents in the future. I already have spoken to a handful of flight medics who, as soon as they saw this video, went out to their fuel area and ensured that their fire extinguisher covers were secured with either a strap or a buckle. I am happy that no one was hurt in this incident, but obviously it could have been a lot worse. Please, practice CRM at all times. Maintain a sterile cockpit during all critical phases of flight. Do your FOD walks, and don't dance on the helipad while another aircraft is landing. And if you do, make the dance moves a little bit better. Either way, if you have a story you want me to look at, please let me know in the comments below. Feel free to like and subscribe and know that the only thing that keeps this channel going is your support, so also feel free to hit that cool new thanks button below as well. And until next time, cheers to you all and I do hope that you all have a beautiful rest of your day.